there's an opportunity for Greg. A bounce to 50. Ran to 48. Rams at home at the MCT. Okay, today's guest is one of the most selfless, consistent, and smart footballers the Richmond Football Club had ever seen. This man played 214 games for Carlton and the Tigers, kicking 96 goals and finishing his career as a Premiership Ruckman. He was president of the social committee, the common sense officer, and a cult hero, but most importantly, a generous leader who always put his team first. It is my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Sean Grigg to the gym session. Welcome, Grigger. Hello, James. Thanks for having me. It's a, quite an intro, mate. I'm pretty flattered. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, mate. Hey, I've actually got a bone to pick with you because the last time we met face-to-face, you're in the office, and I said, man, you're the, the one of the best players I've ever seen in my career, one of my favourites. You were injured at the time. I said, I'm going to see you out there again. You said, yeah, yeah, no worries. The next minute I know, you retired. Was it something I said? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think that, that was at the stage where I still was thinking I was – 25 and I still get over the injuries but yeah once you come to the realization that you're not you know quite uh, as fresh and sprightly as what as once as once I was so yeah the decision um, was made pretty quick after that yeah, well, it led to one of the biggest stories in Richmond history. Obviously, Marlon Pickett uh, was selected because you put your hand up and said, I'll give somebody else an opportunity. Are you still close with Pickett? I know he, he messaged you grand final week, a, a really nice message. Are you still close with him? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to him every now and then. And I had the privilege of presenting uh, Marlon his jumper on grand final day as well. So yeah. Yeah, the way it unfolded, I probably couldn't have, I didn't see it unfolding like that, but it was a great story. And the main reason why the timing of my retirement was um, was that was I went and sought out the club and with the mid-season draft, it was the first year of it. And um, I basically um, asked them if I retired, would they use the pick? And their first answer was yes. Yep. And then my next question was, can that player help us right now? Because if they were going to pick a young developing player, I, I might have uh, I might have dug my heels in a bit and, and tried and tried to get back. But I knew that that was very unlikely. So when, when they said that that player could help help Richmond right right here, right now, it was a pretty easy decision for me. Yeah, and a good one too. What a moment that was in the grand final. Um, everyone respects you for that. You're, you're a selfless player and, and that led to a lot of friendships and strong friendships at Richmond. I know you're very close with the boys still, but you can't reveal too much at the moment because you are at the Cattery. I want to ask you about Geelong. How's it been over there? Oh, it's really good. Uh, I mean, it was pretty daunting leaving Richmond to go to a new club, but it was really exciting at the same time. And uh, the, the coaching group that we've got here at the moment, you know, led by Chris Scott, obviously, but the other coaches, you know, Nigel Lappin, Matty Scarlett, Corey Enright, Matthew Knights, and I work closely with Shane O'Bree. I mean, they're all unbelievable footballers in their own right and, um, and great coaches at the moment. So, you know, it's the perfect sort of apprenticeship for me. Um, I'm loving, loving every minute of it. And there's no traffic down here too, James. Which is yeah, not- I was I was <laughs> going to say we talked about traffic before. It's very different from you know obviously training at Punt Road. It'd take you 45 minutes just to get from one end to the other. What about down in Geelong? It's nice that you're five minutes away from the ground, are you? Well, yeah, about five minutes away. So sometimes I find myself walking to and from work just so I can yeah. get 15 minutes of peace by myself yeah. before I get home. Whereas Punt Road, um, you know, get, trying to get in and out of Punt Road sometimes, yeah, 45 minutes or. You know, and you'd be uh, not not going anywhere. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a change down here. It's nice. That's right. Well, speaking of nice, you're, the town you grew up in, Linton, I think it is near Ballarat. You had ten acres of space. You had the footy goals up there, and you're an Essendon fan growing up. Yep. Did you ever did you ever pretend to be Damien Hardwick in the in the yard? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually. But yeah, those those are all great memories. And we yeah. we lived on top 
on top of a hill and down the bottom of the hill was, was the local footy ground as well. So we spent a lot of time there and uh, my old man played a lot of footy there, coached um, footy there, won premierships, coached premierships. So, um, you know, I was, I was uh, always following him around the um, the Carnham Linton change rooms and, and the footy oval and, you know, my cousins sort of lived in the same street down the road and, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of fun times. Mm. Well, there's a, there's a big, obviously a, a country footy vibe there. And when you went to Redan as well, I think the Lions, and you said you looked up to those senior players as much as you looked up to the AFL players. And I think, am I correct in saying, you know, that footy country vibe, you try to bring that with you during your career as well, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved Redan, the Redan Footy Club and still do. And uh, we used to play in the juniors, man, a, a group of friends, and then we'd, we'd hang around and we'd watch watch the seniors. And at that time, uh, we weren't a great club. We, you know, we'd sort of struggle for numbers and, you know, our jumpers were all sort of different colours and they weren't matching and stuff. And um, coming coming up against teams like North Ballarat who had the nice silky jumpers and all that sort of stuff, we, we just loved hanging around the club. And and then the senior club started to have some success and, um and I loved it. And yeah, we, we hung around the rooms like a bad smell. We'd stand behind the goals, kick the footies back after a goal on a point. And, and uh, yeah, and, and I've still got some bonds with, with those, with those guys, with those guys now. And um, yeah, one guy, Mark Kennedy, Kennedy, who's a teacher at St. Joey's up at, up at college um, up there. So I uh, caught up with him the other day. It was nice. Yeah. Brilliant. Hey, you go to the Carlton at pick 19 in the 2006 draft. You originally think you're going to Adelaide. Now, let, let's be honest, they didn't quite get their pick right. They chose James Seller. He only got 21 games uh, for Adelaide. You could have gone there. I reckon they would have won a flag if you went there. there you go. <laughs> Things would have been different, man. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. But, yeah, I've, I, I sort of did expect to go to Adelaide. I thought I was a good chance there at pick 14. And, you know, that that pick came and gone. James Seller was touted as a top 10 pick and yeah. he was an Adelaide boy. So, um you know, Adelaide uh, were probably stoked that he he survived to that pick. So, yeah, and then Carlton, uh, Carlton and Essendon were the next ones I was thinking of. So, yeah, it was uh, a good good phone call to get from Dennis Pagan um, that I was going to the Blues at pick 19. Yeah, what was that like at, at Carlton? Obviously, Whitnell was the captain then. You've got Fev there with a yeah. nice – I've heard you speak about the culture there, really good culture and environments, have fun and enjoy. But I think you said you can see why maybe you weren't that successful on field because of that stuff. Uh, well, looking back on it, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, probably at those times, like that was the end, that was the end of 2006, 2007. The Blues at that stage uh, were sort of down towards the bottom of the ladder and – uh, yeah, I, I had a, it was a good time to, to start an AFL career, I think, because, um, you know, there was no social media and uh, the pressure probably wasn't as great as what it is now, the scrutiny. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great time. We had a great bunch of mates that I got drafted with as well. Michael Jamison I lived with and Sam Jacobs I lived with for a long time. And um, it was sort of just like moving from the country into the city and it was, we moved into a house together and none of us knew what we were doing and couldn't cook. And so we had to grow up pretty quick and, um, you know, it's changed now where there's, you know, player development managers and the clubs um, really set you up, but we were sort of just thrown into it and it was um, good luck. Here you go. And it was, it was, it was so fun. Yeah. We, I loved it. Hey, what about your, your first game? I know Dennis Pagan, he made you do something uh, pretty strange to get your first game. Can you tell me about that? (laughs) Yeah, he did. Uh, it was around 14 uh, and he called me into, my, into his office and uh, he asked me what time was my personal best around Princess Park. That's where we did our time trials in the preseason. And I can't, I can't quite remember the time, but um, 
you know, I, I told him the time and he said, righto, son, if you beat that right here, right now, you'll play on Saturday. And that was that was Thursday morning before the main training sessions. So, yeah. oh, before uh, of course, I was up for it. Um, and I went and Tony Liberatore was uh, an assistant coach at the time and he rode a push bike around with me. <laughs> Uh, barking orders and telling me the time and how fast I was going and I was yeah. able just to beat the time and Dennis to his word picked me for my first game there you go you reckon he wouldn't have picked you if you didn't beat it yeah definitely there's no way he would have picked me I reckon <laughs> he's a pretty hard but but fair man I I, yeah. I really enjoyed having Dennis in my first year he, he made me grow up pretty quick and told me some home truths and it, it really set me up mm. 2010 Richmond approaches you halfway through the season. Uh, you speak to Dimmer at the end of the year. He says, I'll give you an opportunity, mate. And and that kind of, I think, swayed you to, to go to Richmond to get that opportunity. I want to read you this Facebook post. Okay, at the time, Carlton put on, uh, Sean Grigg requests a trade. Now, a guy named Jordan, he commented, he said, I hope he gets what he deserves and goes to a club like Richmond where the only thing he'll be holding up is the ladder. <laughs> what, what happened next, mate? Uh, yeah, well, I probably at that time, I probably didn't predict that the Richmond was going to turn that quickly. But for me at that stage of my career, it was about opportunity and, and proving to myself and to everyone that um, I can be a decent AFL player and help a team. So, yeah, like you said, I, I met with uh, met with Dimmer and basically Dimmer um, backed, backed me in and said, uh, I'm going to give you the chance to show everyone and show me what you've got. I believe um, in your talent and your work ethic. Um, but it's up to you to do it. Um, so it was pretty – I was blown away by that, that the coach had my back so much so quickly. And uh, Dim, Dim has got that effect on players. And, you know, the, his, the history says players play for him and it's a, it's a big reason why Richmond have been so successful. Hey, did the outside noise ever bother you at all? I know you said at the start of your career social media wasn't massive, but watching you as a player, it seemed like in the big moments you always stepped up when you had to and it seemed like the moment didn't overawe you. What was it like internally? Did you get nervous? Did you did you enjoy game day? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was as I, as I matured and got older and, and realised it didn't matter what, um, people were saying about me or the team, the, only the people that cared or the people that could influence. And uh, once I worked that out, um, it was actually Rocket Ede who I played in the International Rules Series in 2011 and uh, I spent some time with Rocket Ede and he was the coach. And, um, yeah, and spending some time with him, he made me realise that, that, you know, the people that m- maybe be bashing you or talking about you, they don't really know what's going on and um, I, I shouldn't listen to that or why would you even... Entertain yeah. that. So, you know, once I worked out, you know, what my strengths were as a player, um, how I could help the team, then uh, when I was in that moment, yeah, I, I could uh, I could block everything out. Yeah, that's good. I talked to Rancy a few weeks back, and he said that he actually didn't enjoy game day, but you you seem to have enjoyed it. Do you think a large majority enjoy or don't enjoy game day uh, pressure? And yeah. you now, obviously, with the boys at, at Geelong, you'd see what they're like. Yeah, I mean, it, everyone's so different. There's so many different individuals and it is quite stressful game day and yeah. um, does help um, winning, uh, I can yeah. tell you that. But, but I, I really enjoyed sort of the tactical side as well. So, um, you know, for me, I was so immersed in the game, whether I was playing well or whether I wasn't um, or whether the team was or wasn't. I, I was pretty immersed in the, the tactics that were going on and what was happening on the field. So um, I was quite probably distracted from my own thoughts about what, what was um, going on and if I was playing bad by what was actually happening in the game and, and how we could change it or fix it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, nice. Um, 2016, uh, the last game, the Tigers lose by about 110 points. Uh, your parents are there. They come to most games. You say to them, why do you even bother? You know, why are you coming out here and watching this? It didn't feel like it was ever going to change, did it, Guga? No, it didn't. That's right. And, you know, mum and dad, they're still in Ballarat. They yeah. both um, work on the council. So, you know, we weren't blessed with a lot of money growing up or anything like that. But they're very supportive and come to most games. And, yeah, that, that trip to Sydney, you know, they'd, they'd spend money on flights, accommodation to come and watch the game. And obviously we lost by, you know, over a hundred points. And I remember saying to them in the rooms after the game, like, why do you bother spending your money coming to watch, like go on a holiday to Queensland, you know, um, go and treat yourself rather than, um, you know, sort of watching this. So uh, the way, the way it turned and how quickly it did, I didn't see, didn't see that coming to be honest, but um I was glad that happened to me in the back end of my career because going through um, the hard times, it made it made it so special. And 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 like moments like that with family, like um, having having the cup with them and sharing that moment with them, um, you know, made it all worthwhile. Yeah, I want to ask you, you quickly about you know you said preseason 2017 it changed dramatically and Dimmer brought in a new process and that sort of thing. One of those things I think was the Triple H sessions that you did. And you spoke about a really big moment then when you were a teenager and you had a, a mate in the seniors passed away. Yep. You presented with his bat and at the funeral, I think it was, you went out and you made 112 not out for him and you dedicated yep. it to him. It's an incredible story. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. Oh, looking back on it now, it's, it's probably one of the best things I've, I've ever done, to be honest. But, yeah, it was uh, a, te- a cricket teammate of mine. Um, he was the captain, captain of our team at the time. Uh, he's batting and had a heart attack on the field and, and sadly passed away. He was uh, only 41. Uh, and I was, I think I was about 16 at the time and uh, I'd done some work, work experience with him and worked with him on school holidays and, and he really took me under his wing playing cricket. And, uh, yeah, his wife Libby uh, presented me his bat at his funeral and, uh, and asked me to go, go and use it on the weekend. And uh, looking back now, uh, I, I, was, I was pretty confident um, – at the time, like I don't know why, but and yeah, I was able to able to go out and, and make a hundred with his bat, and um, you know it was that was a pretty cool moment. Libby ran out, and his daughter Carla were there was there as well, and um, you know, I, yeah, to be honest, I should have been nervous and worried about what what would have happened, but um, yeah, I wasn't, and it sort of all worked out. So yeah, to go through that as a sort of a sixteen year old and, and see that see that happen, you know, it's pretty traumatic and. But to do something something cool like that for his family was um, was awesome. Mm. Hey, Grigga, I know I am wary of the time. I know you're a busy man now. You've got schedules at Geelong. But I have to ask you about 2017, man. And you became a ruckman. Uh, Griffiths goes down. You're in the ruck. 2017, Granny, it is a bit annoying because I actually remember you getting a hit out against, jo- against oh, no. Jenkins. The boundary throw-in. I, you know, I was there. I, I saw you hit <laughs> on the stat sheet. No hit outs. Sean Grigg, what happened there? Yeah, it has been a bit of a bugbear of mine and a few mates, to be honest, that um, I clearly know I've got a hit out in that grand final. Yeah. We played clearly, um, see, you can clearly see it on the replay, champion data didn't give me the hit out. So um, I'm a bit filthy with that, James. Can we uh, can we somehow get it changed? Or is I it think we can. Forever? Well, in our app, in the Footy Live app, we'll change it. I'll put something on there just to make sure because I remember okay. seeing it, I was there. Hey, what about the celebrations? Post game, I know you know it meant so much to so many people that come up in, to you in the street and, and say to you, "You've actually changed my life." Like, how does that feel to, to be part of that? 
Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, there's probably two parts of the celebration. There was the obvious month after yeah. with, uh, you know, your teammates, your family, the club, um, all, the, all the volunteers, the, the staff, which which were amazing times. And then it was probably post that when we went went back to training and, you know, we'd go down Swan Street, grab a coffee before training or at lunch, and you'd have people sort of come up and stop you and say, you know, thank you so much. We, we never thought we'd see another Richmond Premiership in our life or, you know, there were stories sort of, you know, um, you know, my dad's 80 and he's in a nursing home and that brought so much joy to him to see Richmond play in those finals and win. So um, at the time, the enormity of it didn't didn't sink in or I had no idea what it meant sort of to other people. But um, as time goes on, uh, it's pretty cool how, how a group of guys can affect, affect so many. Mm. Out of that group of guys, you're pretty close with Brett Delidio and Dusty. I know you had a lot of Friday night dinners with them. Sometimes you had to bring your own plates, didn't you, with, with Dusty? Oh, uh, that was – yeah, when Dusty was moving around um, <laughs> apartments, he, he doesn't have a lot of stuff, does. So I remember once he he, uh, he rang me up just before I was coming over and uh, he, he asked if, we, if I could bring my own plate. And then another time he asked if I could bring our microwave over so he could borrow it. And I was like, Man, oh, go oh. down to Harvey Norman and buy one. <laughs> like, it'll cost you 50 bucks, so – I'm not bringing my microwave over for dinner, mate. So, um, but th- th- they were good times as well. And you know, yeah, I sort of, I, I, uh, I went to Dusty's. You know, probably uh, it would have been probably six or seven years a night before a game. I reckon we we had held that tradition, and yeah, it was good fun. He, he's not a bad cook. Yeah, what was the meal? What was the was it always different on a Friday? Uh, we sort of mixed it up throughout the years, but the staple was sort of um, a chicken stir fry, honey mustard yeah. um, sauce with, with a bit of chili. Yeah, no. Nice. You're still close with uh, Lids as well, are you? Yeah, speak, yeah a lot. A lot of got a, a great group of mates from from the Tigers. Um, you know, Brett Deledio and Jack Rewalt, who's still going around. There's, you yeah. know, there's such a such a good group of guys that I'm still tight with. Yeah, Jack was, or well, now I think he's got the crown as the smartest footballer at the club. You always had that crown. Dimmer gave that to you, and now Jack's taken over. I think. Is Jack Jack's just saying that himself? Is he? Is that he must, I think I think it's from Jack. I've heard it from Jack. No, but it is. He, he is. <laughs> he is. I can't. I can't deny I'm that the champ. Yeah. Hey, last one before I get to these ten quick questions. Um, I want advice from you because you are a father. I'm going to be a father at the end of the year. Ah, congratulations. Well thanks, done. thanks, mate. Uh, bedtime stories. I think you've just completed Conrad Marshall's Yellow and Black and Stronger and Bolder. They're kids' books, are they? Uh, yeah, some of them have got some good <laughs> lessons in them. Um, so Sonny, my oldest, is seven. So um, yeah, he's he's into into his footy. So yeah, read him a few stories about that. But if I could give you one bit of advice about yep. parenthood, James, it would yep. be if uh, especially when they're young and babies obviously cry and sometimes they can't tell you what's wrong. So the best bit of advice I could give you is um, towards your partner and just ask, how can I help? Don't offer advice. Don't say the baby might need burping. The baby might need a nappy change. The baby might need food. Just say, how can I help? Okay, done. I will do that, mate. I will. (laughs) You're a legend, Grigor. Let's get these 10 quick questions out of the way. Uh, All right. Your favourite movie? Uh, I like Walk the Line, Johnny Cash. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, Your favourite food? Favourite food would be my wife's chicken pie. Very good. If you could swap places with any NFL star, I know you're a big NFL fan, who would it be? Uh, probably Aaron Donald, I reckon, from the Rams. From the Rams, yeah, yeah. nice. Aaron nice. Donald, he's pretty yeah. cool. Big boy too. Uh, you owned some spud bars. Uh, I think you sold them in 2018 now. You're a businessman. What what business would you love to get into next? You could pick one. What is it? 
wouldn't mind if I could go back in time and, and pick a few, but yeah, <laughs> something something in the tech world now. I think that's where all the money is. Hmm. Nice. Uh, your favorite goal of all time in your career was it that running one with the dream time, or did you have a? a, a different... uh, oh, I it's hard to go past the grand final goal. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, but my first goal wasn't wasn't bad either. Uh, as at the MCG, Carlton Collingwood, about eighty thousand, and it was in the last quarter to seal the game that Brendan Favola dished off to me. So. Oh. That one's fond memories as well. Yeah, and he kicked a few that day, I think, as well. He had to win against the prize. Every day he kicked them. <laughs> Who's your favourite coach of all time? That's hard. Uh, early early on, I really enjoyed David Teague as a coach. Um, back then, he was um, coach of the Northern Bull Ants and he was playing with us as well and a development coach at Carlton. So I really enjoyed to see Teague's progression and um you know, he's obviously head coach now, so hopefully they hold on to him. He's a bloody good coach. Mm-hmm. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Apart from Australia, obviously. Uh, yeah, apart from uh, Australia. Yeah. The States. Yeah, the States. I, States. I, I love my NFL, yeah. Yeah, nice. Uh, you've got a Sunday afternoon free to do whatever you want. What are you doing? Uh, I'll be lighting my fire in the backyard, having a few mates over and having a few beers, either watching the races or doing some sort of sport on the telly. Okay, I have to ask you this. Will you ever be a senior coach of an AFL club? Yes or no, Gregor? That's way too uh, way too hard to tell, but my attitude has always been in life, whenever I'm whenever I'm doing something, I'm fully committed and, and um, I want to go as far as, I, as far as I can and wherever that takes me, we'll see. Yeah, that's a yes. And you've got a great footy brain, so definitely <laughs> going to do a job there for you. Last one, mate. What is your favourite song of all time? Uh, Paul Kelly, How to Make Gravy. Perfect. Here we go. You're an absolute star, mate. You are a legend. Oh, I, could, I could speak to you all day, but I know you are a busy man, obviously, there at the Cattery. Can't thank you enough for coming on today, mate, and having a chat. Thanks, James. Loved it. Thanks, mate. Uh, last Friday, I was able just to come out and do the warm-up with you boys. Um, I hobbled around, but I'll, I'll hold that dear to my heart. That was one last time. I've made lifelong friends and memories that I'll cherish forever. I'll always be a rich man, the blood brother.